Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. And of course, we are both sheltering at home during the current coronavirus pandemic. So we're recording our podcast introductions on a Zoom call today. The story you're about to hear was told in March of 2020 at our storytelling events at the Durango Arts Center and the Sunflower Theater, when the theme was firsts and lasts. Sue Lowry decided it was time to move closer to family when kind strangers began offering to help her with carry-on luggage. The transition from several decades as a gardener on Maryland's Chesapeake Bay to four years in Durango's Wild West has been a major first amidst scales tipping towards more lasts as years pass by. Here is Sue's story. This is my date. His name is Mike. (laughs) I love him. He's a terrible dancer, but he listens. (laughs) When I heard tonight's topic, I, I realized that the more years you gather around you, the more you have a, a kind of weighed in the heavy side with last times. You don't have so many first times. But thinking on that topic, I thought, I got just the thing. I've got a relic. I've got a relic that I've saved. I'm now I'm not a hoarder. But <laughs> but I thought, this is perfect. Because why the heck did I save this? <laughs> this is a hairpiece. It's just a hairpiece. Um, <clears throat> kind of lanky, 20-inch hairpiece. But the point of it is, it has a first time, and it has a last time that it was used. And in between, there's about 30 years. Um, <laughs> so I thought, yeah, that, that, that's worth telling. But I have to give you, of course, the backstory a little bit here. Um, let's, let's go back to... Uh, the beginning of the 60s. And my then husband and I were living in White Plains, New York, uh, while he was finishing his classes at Columbia University. Let me tuck away my squirrel here. <laughs> Kinda nice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And uh, we decided to invite our good friends, Charlie and Johanna. You know Charlie and Johanna. Um, (laughs) Up for uh, dinner one night. And uh, the conversation got around to the fact that I was looking for a job in the city. And Johanna said, why aren't you in commercials? Which was uh, kind of fantastic coming from her because she was a casting director at a high-end ad agency in New York. So I thought, well, okay. <clears throat> and um, she became my mentor then, kind of advised me on how to dress for success and um, what agents to go and see. Well, I went and saw a few agents, and by golly, I got a few jobs. And after doing two or three commercials, um, I signed with an agent who then took me under her wing, and um, uh, 
told me to go to get a little cosmetic dental work done, get a, a hairstyle that would be competitive, get some great headshots. Uh, we got everything all set up so that when I went to audition, I was in pretty good shape. And the deal is to, you just work to get the audition. You work to get the part. And once you've got the part, then a director takes over and tells you what to say and what to do and how to advertise the product that you adore. Um, <laughs> well, commercials kept coming. It was, it was on a roll. It was great. And then my agent said, why don't you try some theater? So Greenwich, Connecticut wasn't far from us. And the Greenwich Playmakers were putting on a production of Oklahoma. <clears throat> well, I went and tried out, and I got the part of Ado Annie. Ah, yeah, <laughs> what a part. She's kind of comedic. She's kind of wise sometimes. Most of the time, a total airhead, which I could play very easily. Um, <laughs> and um, that is when out came, ha, ha, Annie needed braids. I didn't have braids, but I had a hairpiece. <laughs> so this, in, in, in a different configuration, became two wonderful braids for Ado Annie to prance around on stage. That was the first time I was in a really a professional show uh, with a great, wonderful orchestra, and the first time the hairpiece aired itself on stage. <laughs> Um, and I learned so much in that, in that time. That was really when I learned to act. And my teachers were all the cast who were professional actors and actresses who liked to keep up their acting chops by going to community theaters around New York uh, while they were waiting for the big hall in the city. <laughs> um, and I, I remember that the, the process of learning to flesh out a character. It's really wonderful. Uh, you can talk about it <clears throat> intelligently about what you're gonna do, but having it happen through your body, actually, feeling yourself becoming, not acting that person, but becoming that person, and then realizing that that person is just one cog in this little wheel, the whole cast. And the thing that matters isn't that one person you are. The thing that matters is the play. And you each give yourself the play is the thing. Learning that from the inside out is fantastic. And I, I wish everyone here could be in an acting class. <laughs> it's a great thing that serves you on the street. So anyway, we'll fast forward from Ado Annie was a tremendous success. That also was the first, the only, and the last time I was written up in the New York Times. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> ah, and the thing about, the thing about Ado Annie that was so cool was that she was the girl who couldn't say no. Do you remember that song? 
I can't resist a Romeo in a sombrero and chaps. Ooh, just when I sit on their laps, ooh, something inside of me snaps. I can't say no. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't the last time, kid. <laughs> anyway, it seems sacrilegious to just sort of leapfrog over the next 30 years. <laughs> because as soon as Don graduated from Columbia, we focused on his career and left New York. And uh, Don became a boat builder on the eastern shore of Maryland. I, I, that's another story about why you go to Columbia University to be a boat builder. <laughs> it makes sense, won't you? <laughs> but anyway, that's what we did, and I launched a couple of kids. Um, <laughs> we have a son who lives in Santa Fe, and a daughter, Annie Williams, who used to live in Mancos, moved to Durango. Um, and that's kind of why I'm here. Uh, but uh, so, okay, we got through the, that, that big pivotal part of life and landed in a divorce. Ah, uh, and talk about fleshing out a character. <laughs> you got to completely reinvent yourself, you know? Who, who are you going to be now? So I became a landscape gardener. That's how I put bread on the table. And, uh, but the muse, during those 30 years, I did a lot of community theater and really launched the idea of theater in the schools, which had never existed there, and directed a lot of plays. Um, but then after the divorce, I went into this landscape gardening business. The muse was wanting. And I saw an ad in the Baltimore Sun that said, uh, Maryland Traveling Repertory Theater wants actors and actresses. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> I signed on, and um, uh, the first thing we did was uh, I was Malin in Steel Magnolias. And then we decided to do uh, the Annapolis Dinner Theater. They wanted to do a musical, and they decided to do Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So out came Annie's braids, yeah. And I, I, was, I, 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 was, uh, I was not an ingenue. That ship had sailed. So, so we rolled up the braids and put them on top of our head. And, <laughs> and we became Aunt Eller. <laughs> the other end of the spectrum. And that was the last time that this little old hairpiece which I keep because it reminds me of this story. Um, I can't wrap it up yet. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> anyway, that was the last time this appeared, except for tonight, of course. <laughs> um, but from all of that acting experience, I'd just like to conclude uh, with a story that kind of makes the point of acting is, is something we all do. We all have to flesh out our characters all the time. How many people have you been in your life? 
And when I was in a time when uh, I just felt overwhelmed, it felt like I was in quicksand, life was just swallowing me up, and I couldn't, I didn't think I could think right or make good decisions. I had this incredible dream. I had a dream. <laughs> uh, went into for an, audi an audition, walked into the theater, was carried away immediately to costumes, trussed up in an Elizabethan costume, sent downstairs to backstage, and um, I looked out on the stage, and the house lights were down, the stage lights were up, and I was supposed to go on, just like that. I had no idea what the story was, I didn't know who I was, I didn't know how I fit, what I was supposed to do, had no answers, I was uh, filled with fear and frustration. And I saw over there a man dressed in an Elizabethan costume, and he was reading a script. <laughs> so I went running over and said, what's going on? How do you do things here? Who am I? What's the story? What, what are we doing? He just turned slowly around gave me this wonderful kind of benevolent smile. He said, you don't get it, do you? I said, no, I don't get it. And what he said, I'll never forget it. Um, a one-liner. He said something that I think we all know and forget from time to time. And the fact that he, looking at me, I knew, as you know in dreams, I was talking to Shakespeare. And the fact that he said to me meant that he had faith I could do what he said. You write your own script. Thank you. Thank you, Sue, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. We can't wait to gather together again and connect to the magic of live storytelling. Our May events are unfortunately canceled due to coronavirus concerns, but we are hopeful that we'll be able to host our SLAM storytelling event in September when the theme will be Lost Found. And we are especially excited about our event in November when the theme will be Letting Go, Holding On. That event will be in collaboration with 20 Moons Contemporary Dance Theater Company, providing interpretive movement and music alongside the storytelling. So don't miss it. Check the events page at ravennarratives.org for more information. And don't forget to subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and share these stories with your friends and family. During times like these, we are especially grateful for all of the stories from the Raven Narratives archives over the past four years. Big thanks goes to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about all the important projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado 
at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Find out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. Our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook.